Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. This morning, I have a, we're in our Jesus is Better series, and this morning I want to talk about vitality, spiritual vitality. And this is actually, um, th- th- uh, this message was, uh, th- I had this message about, s- in 2017, about six years ago. And, um, you know, the Holy Spirit gives you fresh eyes. So that when you go back to your journal, or you go back to what you've been studying years later, it just appears, it, so- something different happens. And it's like, you know, you're, it's, it's sometimes is is. Is I prepare for, for a service and I look back and I was given my first opportunity to bring the word in 2013, 10 years ago. <laughs> I, look, I look at those messages and I think, oh my, <laughs> poor church. <laughs> so no, but the Holy Spirit gives us fresh eyes, fresh revelation, fresh insight. He brings it all into the context of 2023 and he says, this, this is a word and you all have a word. You know, you know the, the, next, the next David Livingston, the next nation changer could be sitting in this room this morning, and all we've got to do is trust him. All we've got to do is trust him to do his word work through us. Now, this morning's message, I'm going to try and make it an encouraging one. So, um, but you know, sometimes God says you have to deal with the truth, and sometimes There are certain things that um, are the root cause of spiritual disappointments, spiritual poor health, and all sorts of things. And yeah, we could get up and we could all encourage each other, and we should with a good message and with a good word, but sometimes we need to look beyond sometimes the things that we just try to pretend are not really happening. And so I was... I'm reading a book just now, and something turned up in this book, and it was very interesting. I never contemplated it before, let alone heard the word before in my life. And this condition, if you, or state of being, if you want to call it that, is uh, the symptoms sounded familiar to me, but I'd never heard the term before. And so this word is called acedia, A-C-E-D-I-A, acedia. And it's not a word that's in common usage anymore. Never heard anyone use the word before in my life. It derives from the Greek word kidos. And that word means care and affection. But it's the opposite of that. So acedia is lack of care, lack of concern, lack of genuine compassion. This word acedia. So it means to not care. It means to be disaffectionate. It means to have a coolness towards things and be cool towards things that are, you shouldn't be cool towards, that should be burning in our hearts and make us impassioned. And sometimes I know that you get cool towards the things of God even sometimes. It means to be lethargic, listless, and indifferent. And so... Um, through reading this book and then going to find out what does this really mean and get out so I could explain it in in a bit more context to you, I found out 
that as we got deeper into lockdown, which seems like so far away, so long ago, that these, surf these symptoms began to surface in lockdown in many, many people due to their isolating, the isolating nature of lockdown. And it's nothing new, acedia. For example, if you chose to be a monk, okay, or, or have a monastic existence, this state of, of being acedia was something that the monks had to contend with. And the reason I say that is because the monastic process is very isolating. It's very rigid, isn't it? So you can imagine, if you can imagine for a moment what the life of a monk is like, there's generally a very repetitive pattern of devotion, study, prayer. It's a very, it's a choice to, to, to go down a lifestyle that is very devout and it's very strict and it's unbending. Would, would any, anyone agree with that? I'm sure there are some very happy monks out there, but this is the life that a monk, that a monk leads. So when these feelings begin to rumble, all right, not exclusively, but perhaps in people that really desire to be committed. I really want to be committed and passionate to the things of God. I want to be true to what God's called me to do, all of these things. And you begin to experience these feelings of acedia, indifference, coolness, lack of, lack of care. That's a huge, it's a huge warning sign that something is afoot. And so as this condition begins to take hold on a person's life, other things begin to suffer, okay? And I don't think it's something that just affects one section of society or a particular type of person. It's something that can affect everyone. In fact, in the, in, in the old, old, I was going to say the olden days, in times past, they try and be more politic, uh, I don't know, yeah. In times past, they kind of would say, well, that person's becoming slothful. And when we think of someone who's slothful, we, we kind of tend to think of someone who's lazy and doesn't really care anymore. They've lost, they've lost all, you know, ah, do you know what, we'll just, just leave it. And so, but it's not really about becoming lazy, okay? Um, there's more to this than meets the eye. So here's what, here's some of the wisdom I'm trying to pull out of this book, and here's what it says. Acedia is disappointment and disaffection with God's divinely ordained gifts. Whether they're things that we see in the natural realm, things that we feel, things that we can touch in creation, or whether they're in the redeemed realm or in the spiritual realm. Amen, the realm of the spirit. Disaffection, that word disaffection means to become dissatisfied with a system of authority, or to become dissatisfied with people of authority. Now, that, that got my attention. D become dissatisfied with a system of authority or with people in authority. So, in a monastic setting, you'd have this natural and spiritual system of authority, and it would have been incredibly rigid, wouldn't it? In God's kingdom... Praise, praise God, we have his truth. And his truth explains his authority. And the way in which the kingdom of God is governed, who is the head of the church? 
Christ. He's the, he's the head of the church, isn't he? And so we have Jesus as the head of the church. Thank God for that. I wouldn't want it any other way. It's God's word that's important. So this morning, it's the Holy Spirit ministering to you. It's his word. Take me out the equation. Rely on the Holy Spirit. He's, he is going to teach you. He teaches us. Amen? So that's what. So this acedia, or this lack of care, this lack of concern, begins to creep in. And it's possible to experience a disconnection to the work that Christ has done in our lives. It's possible to even the work of the cross for it to become, to become cool towards that, for it not to lose the impact that it once had on our lives. And we can become spiritually bored. Do you know that there's such a thing as spiritual, spiritual boredom? Do you know that there's such a thing as spiritually bored Christians? We can become spiritually bored, and I, you know, I, I know this has just popped into my, my head, and, but the, the, the old saying is the devil makes work for idleness, idle hands. But when you're bored, man, you're looking for things to occupy your time. <laughs> and some of those things are not helpful, and they're not good. And so spiritual, this acedia gives way to spiritual boredom and apathy and when all of this starts to ruminate in, in a person's life, it leads to despair because the Holy Spirit will never give up on you. He'll always, con he'll always come to your heart and he'll convict your heart. And he will, the Holy Spirit will try and stir you. People will try and stir you, but you won't be roused. You won't be roused. And so this goes on. And do you know what despair is? Despair is defined as the loss or the absence of hope. And last week we spoke about Jesus is a better hope. So when we begin to despair, and I know what despair is like, your business isn't going well. Your health is faltering. Things aren't going well in your relationships or at home. It seems like you, you, you don't know if your job is safe. You, you feel insecure even with your church family things like this, the devil comes and he whispers all sorts of things into your heart. And despair sets in. And the one thing that despair begins to do, it begins to bleed the vitality out of your life. It sucks the life out of you. It robs the zeal that you once had for the gospel. It robs us of the zeal that we once had to be in the service of Jesus Christ and his church. And that zeal, you know, we used to sing a song in the 80s, the zeal of God has consumed me deep in my soul. And this all-consuming zeal that we had at one time in our life is gone. <laughs> we could go into a medley there of old charismatic praise songs. I think that would be good sometime. But that's what happens. And if we become uncertain of the future and we despair, anxiety creeps in. We begin to be afraid. And so... You know, I think sometimes we go through seasons, short seasons maybe, who knows how long a season is, where we get spiritually bored, we get um, disillusioned, the church loses its luster. That's because we focus on the, on, on the wrong things within the church. And we've got to keep, the, we've got to keep this Jesus at the center 
of the church, and we keep him at the center, then everything else, all our relationships will flow and, and will be, um, will be uh, better for keeping Jesus at the center. Amen? And so, but we can go through, but this acedia, this stretches out for years. This is something that takes root in a person's heart, and it's there, and it seems to be, will I ever shift this feeling? And it's difficult. We find it difficult to be stirred up about spiritual things. Now, I'm just going to preach to myself for the next minute. We find it difficult. Do you find it difficult to be stirred up by spiritual things? Do we go through the motions, but the depth of feeling has diminished, it's disappeared? Do we throw ourselves into all sorts of ministry to avoid having to face the condition of our own soul? Has our soul become cool or cold towards the things of God? And this is one that really, <laughs> yeah, this is one that can make you sit down and cry for a wee while. Have prayer and God's word become more of a duty than a treasure of your heart? That was probably the most impactful thing there is, is have, have prayer and reading God's word just become what you do, but no longer a treasure in your heart. Amen. And that touched my soul. So in this world of acedia, which leaves people feeling numb and disassociated and cool towards things and indifferent, all other, they try and fill the void with all sorts of things. Surely something will be able to shake this off of me. And um, in lockdown that happened. There was a lot of time, we had lots of time on our hands. Many people used it to great and good effect. New skills, music, gardening, reading. But for many people, it was a, a, it was a rabbit hole, a spiral downwards. And uh, what this, the reading this book um, spoke to me was this. Um, even though people look for all sorts of things to fill the void, sometimes it's not, and we know that our bodies, we have, we're spirit, soul, and body, and our, our fleshly part of our body is always looking for something to satisfy it. But what this said was, people are not necessarily just looking for pleasure they're just looking to be able to feel something again. They just want to feel alive. They just want to feel something again because their feelings are numb. You can only have so much Netflix, Zoom parties, <laughs> video games, and social media. That stuff, you, people had their fill of it. But there was also a great detachment from a great many things. And this morning, this could go on for a long time, but I'm going to cut it short, as, as short as I can, and let the main points just minister to your soul this morning. So my message this morning is about vitality. Is your vitality, life's vitality, waning? Is it, is it waning away? What is vitality? We actually sang, oh, I never forget the line in, in our song uh, about, um, about life. And I didn't say vitality, um, or I can't remember now. 
forgive me, Pauline. <laughs> um, but vitality is about a brightness in your life, cheerfulness. Vitality is being, um, uh, is feeling alive, okay? And I'm talking this morning about spiritual vitality. And the, this morning, we can live with the fullness of God in our lives. And when he comes in and he brings all his fullness into your life, part of the blessing of that fullness is joy and vitality. Vitality is important. Vitality is important to quality of life. Amen. Would you agree with me? And so we can live as a life of spiritual vitality. Pastor David, when are you actually going to get to Scripture? Right now. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. Then you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. It says in the New Living Translation, when I think of this, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, who's the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, unlimited, infinite, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love. Okay. Now that selah, a selah moment, pause. Your roots will grow down into God's love. Rooted in God's love. That agape love, God's love, all right? For out of, out of agape love comes the way in which we can, can live victoriously as the church, okay? The, the, the devil has no answer against the agape love of God. He has no, he's no, he's no power over that. So you put your roots down into God's love and, keep, and, and it will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is. This is the key verse, verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God that you will experience, you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, vitality. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power, which is at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a great, that's one of my favorite portions of Scripture, Ephesians 3. So, what is vital to us in enabling us to experience this fullness, this fullness of life, joy, vitality, all of this? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is the one who enables you to be vital, to have vitality. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit that when you get up in the morning and your feet hit the ground on the side of your bed, if you've got long legs, 
or you dangle them off the bed. Depends, you know. We're, we we had to shift out the house because the house is. I, I I thought I would look like a sheet of plasterboard this morning. I've breathed in so much plasterboard dust and stewer that. So anyway, and and so we're said, no, we're going to stay with my mum, and she has a very tall bed. So anyway, when your feet hit the ground in the morning, it's the Holy Spirit that enables you that day. He fills you that day. He fills you that day. He enables you to go and leave your house in the morning and to go and be a witness and to go and be a friend, to be a mom and a dad and a grandparent and and, and all of these things, to be a teacher, to be a bus driver, to do whatever it is you do. He enables you. It's the Holy Spirit that that does that. Amen. And he keeps us connected to our Father God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the source of power for our lives. That is where we get the vitality from. We won't get it from anywhere else. And I want to I go to Ephesians 3.19, that verse, and I want to do a little short word study for just a few minutes. It says in Ephesians 3.19 in the New Living Testament, sorry, in the New we just let me read it again, NLT. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. You'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. But in the New King James Version, it says this, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I thought, wow, okay. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. We, never, we will never truly comprehend just how much Jesus loves us, just how much God our Father loves us and what he's done for us. And I thought, knowledge, knowledge, what sort of knowledge, what is this limiting knowledge then that Christ's love surpasses even that? Why can't we have this full knowledge and complete knowledge of everything in the future? We'll never know. And it's because this word, knowledge, is the word genosko, Genosko in the Greek word, and it means it's knowledge gleaned from first-hand or personal experience, okay? So it's only, the knowledge is only as accurate as the, as the relationship that it comes from, all right? So has anyone ever heard of the Gnostics or Gnosticism? Probably pronounced that wrong. It's probably a silent G, Gnosticism, all right? So this, these Gnostic boasted of the knowledge they had. Uh, we, we, we have this personal revelation. We have this, we have the knowledge, and we take this knowledge and we apply it. The love, the, the, Gnosticism is a cult, okay? It's a cult based on, on having a special personal knowledge. God is no respecter of persons. When you, when you seek him, when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And he will reveal what you need to know for your life. He will give you the understanding of what it is that you've taken. Sure, you can take it out of this, the context of a relationship and apply it. But it says here that to know the love of Christ, which goes beyond that knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses this knowledge. So God has got a future where we are, going to, we are going to experience something in a completely new way, I believe. The church is going to experience the outpouring of God's love. And it's, I think it will come in a way that we, 
may not expect because we, have, we apply knowledge through what we know. My mom loved me this way. My dad loved me this way. They didn't love me. My, I was rejected. I suffer from rejection, all of these things. And that forms us and shapes our lives. And here God is waiting to pour out his love through upon his church and through his church into the world. And we, to be able to, to, be able to do that, we have to understand. We will never figure God out. He's always, Amen. Amen. And that's, you know, we can, this um, acedia, this dissatisfaction, what, what, what about this system that's been created and the people in authority and, and even people, you know, feeling rejected by God and, and all of this is going on. But God has a bigger plan and we are part of the plan. And when we're on earth, he says, have faith in me. One day faith will be turned to sight but while we're here on earth, we have faith. We believe in, in the things that we, can, we don't presently see, but we believe they're coming to pass. Amen? And so this fullness, it goes on that we will be filled or we will be made complete with all the fullness of life. What is this fullness? The fullness. It's being filled with the presence, power, agency, and riches of God and Christ. Being full, full with all of that. The presence, the power, the agency, the riches of God, of Christ. Amen? So we, can have, we have a certain knowledge of God, but God is drawing us closer. He's revealing more and more into our lives. And as he does that, we'll begin to enjoy life with, with him. So if life, if there's a, these, a, this acedia, this condition where you feel like, you know what? I just feel completely dead and numb. I was saved when I was 12, but my life is just, I'm just going along like a bump in a log. But God is going to unfold more. He's able to bring us out of that condition. We can know him more. Amen. Day by day, we can enjoy life with God and he, can, he will fill us with his vitality. Amen. If you read Psalm 32, David's there. He's in contemplation with God. And he says that, Father, what a blessing it is to be a forgiving man. I'm paraphrasing. What a blessing it is to be a forgiven man. And he says in that Psalm, when I was silent, when I never acknowledged all of the stuff that I was going through, your hand was heavy, up, was there, your hand was heavy upon me, and my vitality was like the drought of summer. All of my vitality was gone. I kept silent. I kept it all buried. I kept it all down there. I kept it all suppressed. And everything was heavy. It was a heaviness everywhere. But when I opened my mouth, and I begin to acknowledge things. I begin to share them. I take them to God again. Take these things to God. Take them to the Father again and say, Father God, give me a fresh start. Help me make a fresh start. Renew, the vital renew my vitality so that when I get up in the morning, I have a passion to read your word, to pray, and to do the things of you. Amen? So sometimes we go through this drought of vitality but at the end of Psalm 32, David says, Lord, you're my deliverer. You've delivered me out of this. Vitality's returned. Joy has returned. Amen.
And this message is going to be a two-parter, but we only have, there's only one thing. The, the only thing that, is, that makes a difference between going from now into a different future or staying on the road that you're on is choice. It's thank God that he gave us choice. He says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Choose vitality. Choose, the full, choose my fullness. Choose all of that. And he gives us the, the ability to choose. We can be controlled by the other side of our nature. And sometimes, I know we, know, we all know what that feels like. But you know what? No matter, no ma- can I finish this? I'm going, to read, I'm going to read a prayer. In this book I'm reading, this man who was in this condition, Asidia, he reached out to a pastor. And this pastor um, sent him a letter encouraging him and letting him know that he was praying. And I want to read that letter to you. Now, this pastor was a Lutheran pastor, and uh, that doesn't make any difference. He's still a pastor. And this is what he said. Take on yourself the full armament that Christ supplies, according to Ephesians chapter 6. We know that's the armor of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit and pray at all times in the Spirit. Regarding the holy things, if you have no desire to care anymore, if you have no desire to pray, if you have no ability to hear, if you have no sense of peace, these things are symptomatic of a demonic attack, an attack of the enemy. There is no reason to fear, however. This is a normal result of what happens when a man takes up the cause of Christ or the mantle of ministry and begins to do the real work in the service of Jesus Christ and his church. Like moths to a flame, the forces of darkness are drawn to light. Demonic influences cannot help but be drawn to such a man doing quality work in the kingdom in order to undermine his work, to drive him to desperation, to get him to sin in any possible way, pride being the favorite, and to break, listen to this, and to break his bonds of life with others that are closest and dearest to him. Church, the the enemy's not playing around. As soon as you turn towards Jesus Christ and look him full in his wonderful face, and you say, I'm going to do this work, the enemy is right there. He is right there because he does not want you to serve the king of kings. He then goes on, he says to his friend, he is a defeated enemy and he cannot harm you. The one who fights for you is stronger than he. And this, this bit here got my mind churning. I'm going to read it anyway. And before church, should I read this? Because this opens up a Bible, story, Bible study of epic proportions. But I'm going to read it anyway. This is the words of this pastor. In fact, the devil is God's devil. He inadvertently does God's work attempting to separate you from Christ. Satan drives you closer to Christ. Go towards Jesus because he has the words of eternal life. You know, the God, you know, the enemy's plans are foiled. 
when he comes against you in all of his might to try and get you to give in to temptation, to, do, to, to, to um, own these feelings that come upon your life, God's like, I'm going to use this. I'm gonna, this is going to drive Lewis towards me, not away from me. And this is what we've got to remember. Through trials and tribulations, pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down, who's, who's the one that does the striking? The enemy strikes. And he operates through people. And any, whichever way he can, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure. And his joy is going to be my strength. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.